guys. Um, my name is Ada. I am I uh, 11 years old, and I am doing a podcast, which is kind of um, strange. North Pine Run Road was once one road before being sliced into two, given north and south distinctions, and left as the attention turned toward a larger road the new Highway 421 that enabled tourists and sports fans to drive up the mountain at greater speeds. The turnoff sits five miles outside of town limits, an absolute location that excludes its residents from municipal elections and the sleepless sounds and sights of Appalachian State football games. Cars still occasionally whiz by, though the majority of noises, day and night, are frogs now. In the winter and fall, the wind whips the sides of the houses and through the trees. Alternatively, the snow and rain and cold culminate in a chilling but cozy silence as outdoor human activity ceases. No lawnmowers, no barking dogs, everything is simplified to the chilled clarity of the sky above when the clouds clear and the silence remains, exasperating the boundary between the ability to grasp at ideas and the infinity of everything else. The road presents a barrier, but it itself is not the actor. A winding backdrop, speckled with large houses and Lincoln log cabins that meet the double wides and the long abandoned dilapidated sheds. Overgrown with ivy, these sheds or barns or houses used to represent productivity. Now, they are charming eyesores for retiree residents and those concerned with the curb appeal on their home's market value. Life slows and seems harmonious despite the inner monologues that worry over the state of a neighbor's distant yard, the nearby river spot being overrun by hicks and rednecks and PBR cans, or the tone of a particular dog's bark. Sunday, September Sunday, outdoors, like an early page from the Appalachian Book of the Dead. Sunlight lavishes brilliance on every surface. Doves settle, surreptitious angels, on tree limb and box branch. A crow calls deep in its own darkness. Something like water takes on just there, beyond the horizon, just there, steady clock. Go in fear of abstractions. Perhaps because I have one or two or three or four too many siblings to seem like I have aspirations beyond small town Appalachia, a neighbor thought nothing of asking me, bluntly, whether or not I planned to attend college, this conversation having arisen from her polite stop one morning as my mother checked her tire pressure on the side of the road. I was a bit surprised. Of course I had thought and dreamed of and expected to go to college. I had not entirely given thought to the outside eye, the judgmental force that belongs to all the clashing groups when something or someone threatens their code of expectations. I credit my elementary school, a K-8 charter school with 20 kids per class, for that blissful ignorance of small town borders, those that exist between the working poor the business-owning locals, the few that escape socioeconomic tradition yet stay, and everyone else, brought to the mountaintop by the views, the pace of life, or the university. I surely fall into the latter group, though appearances, most large families in the area belong to the ultra-religious working poor grouping, would be at odds with what I, and others, expected. I wouldn't realize until, well, I guess I returned this semester, what importance the road held in my confrontations with the limits and liabilities of borders. This spring, there's been an outlet quality to taking a walk. In the past, it's been the same. After my lovely neighbor reinforced my desire, and need, I suppose, to go to college, my daily runs up and down the gentle inclines became possessed by daydreams of going to Stanford, where I could transcend all the obstacles of home in the farness of California and in a ubiquity of ingenuity. I forced academic obstacles on the same runs, marveling at how the satellites tracking each run must have been programmed to do the calculus that I could not, their derivatives driving my pace and headspace. Sometimes, physics would theoretically enter the runs as well as my surroundings. The trees in their golden green canopy, the rain and the frogs, presented their calculated existence. I feared the thoughts, the abstractions offered by adrenaline and endocannabinoids with a welcomeness.
Well, possibly. Meanwhile, they are the strata our bodies rise through, the sear veins our skins rub off on. For instance, whatever enlightenment there might be houses compassion and affection, those two tributaries that river above our lives, whose waters we sense the sense of late at night and later still. When I got rejected from Stanford, after a five-month wait to truly know whether I had been, I turned to the road again. To run out the disappointment as I would when confronted with a troubling senior season, or any other personal boundary, obstacle, barrier. Yes, it is, and was, a place where the borders are both magnified and ambiguous. At times, as white pickup truck after white pickup truck, engine droning, climbed the road, the difference that I perceived to exist between myself and the local locals, the ones my sisters and my friends and probably a good deal of Middlebury would characterize as hicks or rednecks, is heightened. I look for the Trump pen sticker or the aging white guy looking back in his mirror while I run down the road. Sometimes, I am the one perceived this way, as a troublemaker of which little good can come. I suppose this was my lovely neighbor's thought process when she and her husband promptly blamed me for their ill-mannered dog's decision to bite my hip one winter afternoon as I ran by. Uh, there are like two stereotypes. I guess like in the downtown part of Boone, it would be like hippies, but just like people that live in Watauga County, hicks or rednecks. There is a sanctity to the road. I walk with my siblings and escape from the borders that arise at home on the basis of wardrobe choice, age, politics, or music taste. Minuscule, I know. These walks consist of calling the dogs to follow and encompassing conversations of sexuality or art or food videos. I tried to recreate similar conversations through mindfully asked questions for this project, and the result was not as focused as I anticipated. Perhaps it was an inorganic setting prompted by questions that my sisters found too big, but I did get a lot on RuPaul and art. Um, and sorry if I ruined uh, Andy Warhol for you guys, but I did not know this, but he actually had a foot fetish that he never tried to conceal. <laughs> but also, like, that's not a bad thing. I appreciate these ambulatory conversations because they give me a chance to actively listen to a younger perspective, one that is fresher and humoristically pessimistic from the hours spent watching Stephen Colbert. They break a barrier that has been established by our age difference and my absence in their lives due to high school and sports and stress and college and other forms of productive escapism. I feel it too is necessary to reinforce the importance of active listening as I've neglected it in the past only to have the negligence manifest painfully as a border. A different neighbor, one whom I had shared most of 17 years with, and really an old friend, came at odds with me over expressions of sexuality. After trying to discuss the issue statically, crying from the passenger seat or standing awkwardly, fidgeting and resisting eye contact, it was proposed that we take a walk. This walk would, of course, be along North Pine Run, where we had discussed past crushes and explored the bones of aging roadkill, and ran to each other's houses in anticipation nearly every day of the summer. I refused. I was hurt that it had come to this, that it felt like I was being punished, that we were both at fault. I wasn't ready to confront my frustrations productively. It destroyed our friendship for the rest of senior year, setting a bizarre boundary across our shared physics table and for our families. Childish? Yes. Perhaps. Probably. It magnified the necessity for active listening on both sides, and I will say that later, I did try to provoke a productive conversation. But resisting the initial offer of a walk had done its harm. It had constructed a border along the same medium with which we had broken them in the past, propelling us into different routes away from childhood. Less dramatic, but similarly, personal borders have risen from the transitions to and from high school. My eighth grade class, small and close and built from vastly different backgrounds, fractured upon introduction to the high school halls. Girls that I knew belonged to a more local grouping, but that I had considered as having transcended the route of expectations ascribed by tradition due to their non-traditional schooling, 
soon became faces I only saw on social media or before football games as I left cross-country practice. Some dropped out, having found elusive jobs as fast food managers. The same drifting and manifestation of borders still occurs as high school friends become acquaintances than a person to avoid eye contact with in Walmart or Harris Teeter. While some carry buckets of hometown pride, others despise coming back. It is, at least, a partially classist system as the measures of success vary from group to group. There are groups found unfortunate based on their country song way of life, marry young, birth young, die young, repeat, and add some banjo music to it. People split over this. The town encourages economic activity by widening the roads to invite football traffic or building a new parking deck, and it isn't always accepted by those who don't reap the initial benefits. High schoolers expecting to go to college clash with those who don't and don't want to, especially when placed in the same health or PE classes. There simultaneously exists a recognition for the wonders and woes of rural life. If one does not begin to recognize it growing up, a revisitation after some time or distance reveals the ways in which residents are similar. Despite what we all thought of the dirt track and white pickup truck while growing up, there's an element of ironic yeehaw in seeing them now and being able to compare experiences and sights beyond the borders in which we grew up to those characteristic of our upbringings. Casey Musgrave's chorus in Merry-Go-Round is both catchy and a possible descriptor of the border along which tension exists, caused by judgment and tradition. Same trailer, different park. Mama's hooked on Mary Kay, brother's hooked on Mary Jane, and daddy's hooked on Mary to Borstown. Mary, Mary, quack and trary, we get bored so we get married, just like does. I know it's a privilege to grow up distance from traditions of going nowhere, and it's strange to encounter the dissonance from my runs, my road, as I work through the smaller boundaries that I have long thought is more applicable to my person than the larger, long division of Watauga County. Mm -hmm.